The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. All right, welcome to this special edition of Startup Nation Radio. We've got special guest, a gentleman who's close to the small business community in many ways, close to the issues, close to the ground. Brian Kelly, president of the Small Business Association of Michigan. We're thrilled to have you on. Welcome to the show, Brian. Great to be back with you and talking about uh, business issues. I tell you what, it just seems like the last couple of years, the pace of change has been absolutely extraordinary and has put a lot of new challenges on small business owners. So I'm really anxious and excited to talk through some of those with you today. Okay, right on. We're thrilled to have you. We're lucky to have you. And Brian, let's, you know, small business and entrepreneurship, you and I are talking to, to entrepreneurs all the time in various ways, me through Startup Nation, you through your position at uh, the Small Business Association of Michigan. You know, entrepreneurship is hard enough as it is, but boy, are there some unique challenges facing small businesses today, really on the heels of the pandemic in this post-pandemic era. We're seeing things like supply chain issues and inflation and vaccine mandates and a million other things too, but certainly those three are really hitting small businesses hard these days. And you and I want to cover that subject matter in the show today. Let's just, you and I, kind of tee the show up. Supply chain disruption. What are you hearing and seeing that small business owners out there are experiencing, Brian, as it relates to these supply chain issues? It is harder than ever to operate right now. There are so many different struggles that, uh, that small business owners are facing. And the thing about small businesses is that most of them rely on somebody else's uh, distribution and logistics system to, to get what they need to operate, whether it's components in a manufacturing process um, or, or retail items for sale or supplies uh, and, um, and food and restaurants and even something as simple as napkins. You know, it wasn't that long ago you could kind of take for granted that anything that you needed was readily available. And today, supply chain, uh, the supply chain is basically buckling under a lot of different constraints around uh, both near and far around the world and locally. And, uh, and that's presenting a lot of uncertainty for small business owners that are already uh, struggling compared to sure. uh, a few years ago and trying to recover. And uh, it's some, something, you know, things that used to be so simple. I mean, you're running a restaurant and I need to, to buy a box of chicken wings and <laughs> right. uh, it used to be right. you could just order them. And, right. now, and now it's really, really backed up. Right. And we'll cover that in greater detail, closely related to that issue, really driven by, in large part, that issue is the issue of inflation. So if, if you can get your product, if you can get your supplies, Small businesses are likely going to pay more, which then those additional costs have to be passed along, of course, to consumers driven by that just basic supply and demand dynamic. When you've got less supply, when you've got that supply chain tied up, when business is tougher, when everything costs more, it's going to cost the consumer more. That impacts uh, the small business owner's ability to, to do lots of business because prices go up. People aren't going to have you know, the ability to spend like they would otherwise. And there's another knock to our small businesses. Virtually all inputs to production and cost of uh, of goods sold are increasing right now. So not only are they less reliable in terms of the supply chain getting the stuff that you need, but the cost of all of it is going up. And some of that is is naturally showing up in the consumer price index, as you see that end uh, goods and services in the increases that are being experienced, and people are really feeling the pinch. 
Um, it's squeezing small business owners in a big, big way. So even when you can get your hands on what you need, it's much more expensive than it used to be. Indeed. And then to top it off, you've got all of these challenges associated with being able to hire help. We know that, you know, restaurants are having to close down at certain times because they can't get the help they needed. And again, even if small businesses can get the help they need, it's going to cost more. It's a laborer's market these days. You know, it's in their favor. Costs are going up in that regard as well, if you can even get it. And then we have these vaccine mandates, uh, you know, for businesses with 100 or more employees. That just makes it even more difficult for these small businesses, Brian. It really does. This, this proposed vaccine and testing mandate, it really threatens to make every single one of the issues that we've talked about worse. So if you think about the, the way that the supply chain is already having difficulty keeping up with the, with the demand and the shortage of people, if you even a small a number of people that decide not to, to, uh, to, to not get uh, vaccinated or submit to weekly testing and decide to work, leave the workplace or the workforce, that, that is incrementally more costly overall because there's already a shortage that is very, very dramatic. And so you have supply chain issues that can, uh, that, that can be made worse. And then, uh, and then when the supply chain isn't working very well, it causes more shortages. More shortages means more increasing in costs. More increasing costs means inflation. You know, the, all these things tie in together. And so that's why this, uh, this proposed vaccine mandate from uh, federal OSHA really does threaten to take a bad situation and make it much worse. Yeah, indeed. Well, listen, we're going to cover all three of those issues with you. And we'll also invite callers to call into our show today. If you want to speak to Brian Callie, you can get them at 800-859-0957. That's 800-859-0957. Feel free to call in, ask your question, make a comment. We'll be happy to hear from you today. Brian, this is a really important show. Again, uh, thanks so much for your willingness to do it. We're going to run to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hit the first issue that we touched on in the opening here, and that's the supply chain disruption facing small business today. We'll hit that one hard right after this break on Startup Nation Radio. Welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Again, this is a special show. We've got uh, co-hosting today's show, Brian Kelly, president of Small Business Association of Michigan, soon to be CEO uh, at the end of December of this year and moving forward. Brian, you'll assume that post and we're thrilled to have you. Thanks for uh, joining the show and all that you do for small businesses in Michigan. Now, Brian, in the, in the introductory segment, we, we touched on some of these issues. Let's dive a little deeper now. What are you hearing, you know, these supply chain disruptions, we know it's affecting big retailers and big companies and so on. Now, while most smaller businesses depend a little more, in some cases at least, on local supply, maybe they can be a little more nimble, work around these issues a little better than many big businesses can, it's still hitting our Michigan small businesses as well. Tell us what you're hearing from the field. Well, it really depends on how far and wide you draw from in order to make your business work. So there are certain materials, for example, in, um, in uh, microchips, as an example. If, you have, if you're making something that requires microchips, chances are that, that wherever you're getting them from, has, you've been outbid by automakers that are, that are desperate to find more microchips right now. And so uh, some cases you might have a good supply base 
and and there's nothing that you did wrong except for somebody else needed them and uh and and was able to kind of swoop in and pick them up. So you have some issues in terms of just competition for a limited uh supply and you know put the smaller players up against the the uh the the large um international players uh sometimes the smaller lots are um are disadvantaged in getting their hands on what they need. But it's also so that's you know part of production but there's also uh, difficulties in um, in food service and in cleaning supplies. And, and if you think about like you might have a main um, might have a main line of business, and you got everything that you need for the business, but you can't get the um, the cleaning supplies to uh, to turn over the rooms, or you can't get the chicken wings to uh, which is your best seller. On, uh, sure. on the menu, or if, right. you, if you can, it's way more expensive. In some cases, it's you know it's it's frustrating. It's, it's even the packaging. So um, like you've got everything that you need except for the packaging to uh, to put it in and, and to and to ship it or to sell it. So it's showing up in virtually every way that you can imagine. And and it, I've heard from small business owners are saying, "Boy, as soon as I get one of these things fixed, one of the other components, all of a sudden there's a shortage in that." And, uh, and so it's constantly chasing the stress of chasing a supply chain that is uh, stretched very, very thin. Right. And it's a weakest link equation, of course. I mean, you you know, if it's just that one part that's missing, if it's a critical fundamental component or, or you know, if it's your hottest selling product, as you mentioned, you're out of luck. It's just that way. It's binary in that respect. And so that just makes it really, really tough. And of course, the sad part of this story is that lots of those chips and lots of the other things businesses need are sitting on container ships somewhere out there waiting to come into port to be unloaded and delivered to these small businesses and other big business too that, that needs these products so much that would help avert not only the supply chain issues that we're facing, but the inflation caused by it in, in most cases. So it's a really, uh, you know, the pandemic, uh, you know, <laughs> we certainly were hit hard in, in very acute ways during the heart of the pandemic. But now, post-pandemic, we're still feeling the, the consequences and the impact of this pandemic. And lots of businesses still out there suffering for sure. Brian, do you anticipate, sitting in the post that you're sitting in and talking to small businesses all the time like you do, do you think the worst of the threat is behind us in terms of the, the pandemic's impact and shutting businesses down? Or do you still have a great fear that we're going to see a lot more of that yet to come? Well, I'm I'm actually quite concerned about several aspects as much as I have been in the last couple of years, but it's not because of the spread of the of the virus. I know there's there's safe and effective vaccines, there's uh, new therapeutics, um, antiviral pills that are about to get approved by the FDA. I mean, there's so many different things uh, that give me confidence that the the pandemic itself right. um, is in the later stages, right. but the federal government's response to the pandemic, it, you know, they're still dropping extra trillions of dollars into the system that are not tied to any type of productivity. And that is that directly leads to inflation. So I'm concerned that the federal government has established a new norm of being uh, of, uh, of spending. And that is really causing a lot of challenges to where I don't know if you happen to um, to see some of the charts that are showing inflation and uh, and then comparing it to growth in personal income. So yes, personal income is up about 5.1%. Guess what? Inflation is up 62 And And so while 
some some will point to it and say, ah, see, this is good. You got rising income, but the purchasing power of that rising income has been diminished more than it went up in the first place. And that means that people are worse off than before. So I think that the, the number one, like the most important thing that we could get from our government right now, literally the number one is to normalize their spending, to to, to go back to the regular deficit spending that they were doing before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love to see them balance the budget, yeah, but at course. least just go back to normal deficit spending right. as opposed to what we've seen uh, over the course of the last year and a half. Yeah, and I know, uh, you know not only are small businesses hurting, but of course all of this ultimately hurts the consumer, which then further exacerbates the problem for the merchants who are trying to make sales because you've got consumers having to face higher prices to pay and so on and so on. Speaking of that, we've got a caller calling in. Sally from Rochester, I believe you are calling in with a consumer's perspective. Sally, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. You have a question for Brian or a comment? I do. Yeah, I do. Hi, hi Jeff. Hi, hey. hi, Brian. Yeah, so I am a consumer and I am a major consumer right now because it, the holidays are approaching. Of course. And so my question is, is that when I go into stores, you know, shelves are empty. I'm online trying to shop and there are shipping delays and I know things aren't going to arrive on time. Are you thinking that this is going to be a long-term issue? I mean, are we kind of having to brace ourselves, if you will? Yeah. Is this the new normal? Yeah. Is this the new normal or will this be corrected by maybe spring or are we having to think about this all the way through the end of next year? Good question, Sally. Yeah, great question, Sally. I mean, it's, it, this is, it doesn't have to be the new normal. It doesn't have to persist. Um, there, there are some things that I think, you know, in the more immediate term that need to happen in terms of um, getting, um, getting the, the overall federal government role in the economy um, pulled back to what is, is normal. And I think things would relatively quickly settle down to a, a normal pace. But we are in unprecedented times in, in so many ways. And one of those ways is, is the, the federal government, like in 2020, I would much rather see them overdo the response of the pa- pandemic as opposed to underdo it. Because there were a lot of uncertainties, there was a lot of economic um, uh, risks at the time. But now the economy is, is growing. There's demand for people. There are 10 million open positions in America right now. 10 million open positions. And, uh, and so we really do need uh, the federal government to, to step back. And, it, and there's, there's a lot of resistance to that right now. For some reason, they still are kind of acting like we're uh, facing the t- same type of economic risks that we had in 2020. So I think that we could see things settle back down by, um, by second quarter of, of 2022, but not if not if things don't normalize. I mean, if we just get more of the same, if we get, ex, you know, every quarter we get a couple extra trillion dollars dropped into the system, from borrowed money without being tied to any sort of uh, productivity gains, then I, I think it stands the reason we'll see more shortages, more um, more inflation, more supply chain disruption. So the, the answer is it doesn't have to be uh, long-term, I'm afraid that it will be if, if we don't le- learn our lessons from a public policy standpoint. Yeah, policy is a critical factor here. Another thing, though, Brian, doesn't it 
I mean, we've got, uh, in some cases, I just read the out of the Port of Los Angeles, there's 83 ships currently waiting to come in and unload their precious cargo. And boy, would that uh, loosen things up a bit, it seems. As I understand it, a major issue for the shipping companies, the logistics companies, they can't hire the people. You mentioned those 10 million open positions. If we could get people in there, then the ships could come in. The product that is, you know, backed up sitting on the lots could move off the lot, get moved into the system. And those ships could be unloaded, and, and, and that could, on the surface of it in, anyway, contribute to resolving the in problem and normalizing things. Is, that, is, it, is it as simple as that, or is there more to the story? Well, the problem is that everything is connected. So let's take that example. You got, um, you got all these ships, these cargo ships that have thousands and thousands of containers on them, and they're waiting to, uh, to be unloaded. So when the Biden administration says, okay, well, we're going to do 24-hour-a-day um, you know, port operations, why that didn't already happen, I don't know, but I, I'm glad they're doing it now. The, um, so, but, but then they're, they're sitting at a port. <laughs> so there right. has to be, they have to be then, they go through a distribution system that spreads all across the entire, uh, across the entire country. And what I'm afraid of is they're going to get all these ships unloaded and then two things are going to happen. The people that have been stranded on those ships, because remember, those ships are fully staffed. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. people that are have been stranded for months on those ships are going to say, I'm done with that job and sure. not go back to it. Sure. So then now you got more more right. problems in right. terms of workforce shortages. But then they're going to unload the ships. And uh, right around the time when a vaccine mandate kicks in and there's already a shortage in truck drivers, even a small decrease in the number of available truck drivers will put us in a position where they are not able to move those goods from uh, the ports all across the country. Yeah, the, the, the problem is complex. It was, of course, a leading question when I said, is it as simple as that? This is not a simple issue at all. But we're going to run to a break. When we come back, let's tie now the discussion to how this all impacts inflation and what we can maybe think about there as a way to get that under control. Right after this break with Brian Kelly on Startup Nation Radio. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio, co-hosting today, Brian Kelly, president of the Small Business Association of Michigan. Brian, thanks uh, for being on again and covering these really important issues. In this segment of the show, we want to move from, and certainly be tied to yet, but moving from a pure discussion on the supply chain disruption issues and focus on inflation. I know this, this is like the plagues for small business. It's really... <laughs> really unbelievable to think of it. As I say, small business is hard enough as it is. You throw these things on top of it. It almost seems impossible. Brian, give us the backstory on how inflation is impacting our businesses today. It started back in the spring where we saw individual items started rising in cost. It wasn't hitting every industry at the same time. We definitely saw wage and benefit inflation hitting a lot of different industries. And that wasn't a surprise. It wasn't something that was unexpected. But then it started really hitting just little things here and there and increases that were just so substantial. I, I brought a group of our members together in our Legislative Action Council from all over the state, all different industries. And I asked, we're hearing more and more about inflation. Can you tell me whether or not it's hitting your industry? And across the board, every single one of them gave examples of, you know, here's a, an important input. And it's up 15%. In some cases, up, some things up 50%. Some, some things you just can't get no matter how much you spend on them. So it's something that started out in the beginning that looked pretty limited to uh, a few different areas and a few different types of line items. And it is now 
widespread. You know, it's, it's hitting almost everywhere in every different way. Consumers are definitely feeling it out there in terms of the cost of goods and services. But at the same time, small business owners are getting squeezed. And so the, the margins are already hard enough to run a, a small business on, on a smaller volume than some of the bigger players. And that those margins getting squeezed even more, that a, a lot of them are, are facing really tough decisions in terms of how they deal with it, what type of business that they're in, what their product and service offerings are going to be when they're open, when they're closed. And it really all goes back to these rising costs where they have to prioritize more than ever before exactly what they're doing at every single stage of the business. We all experience restaurants and it's hitting restaurants really, really hard, but it's also, um, it's hitting almost every industry now. Yeah. And of course this could result in a pullback from consumers into, in, in you know, a reduction in consumer spending, which of course just further fuels the, the downslide, the, the, the negative impact on small business today and all businesses today, but given their focus is on small business, you know, it's, it's, and it's so much more acute at that level. There's, there's little safety net and there's little margin for error for these small businesses. They need to keep those dollars coming in the door in order to stay viable. And as we've been saying, the challenges are mounting without a doubt. Are there things from a policy standpoint that you see that could be done right now or from any other, you know, is there a way to arrest the circumstance in your view? And if so, what would that be? Well, you know, as we ask our members what they would like to see happen out of their government, what we, the answer that comes back over and over again is get out of our way. So please make, mm-hmm. stop making the problem worse. And so in this case, you know, you got a couple of things. You've got the, the vaccine mandate that's about to hit, although it's being challenged and it's stayed in court at the moment. But the workforce shortages that are mounting because of that and will be made worse because of that in addition to the federal spending being so much higher, uh, disincentives to work. I mean, each one of them just adds a little more burden, a little more uh, problem, and you put them all together. It's created this type of situation where this ought to be a period where we're seeing extraordinary growth and opportunity. Yes. And um, yeah. as we normally see after a recession, you know, after a recession hits, usually there's right. a few years of strong growth. And right now, that uh, all that growth and then some has been eaten up by inflation. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, we've got a caller calling in that's got a question. We've got uh, Julia from Redford calling in. Julia, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Brian. Thanks for taking the call. I own a small online store, and it's just on one of the common e-commerce sites. I can import my products overseas, but with the supply chain disruption, inflation is going to be an issue. Should I pivot to selling only American-made products, even though that will drive up prices to my customers, or should I stick with overseas goods? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. Brian, your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, of course, it's going to be situation specific, but turning to local sources has been one strategy, and including in cases where it drives up costs. It might not require it to be an all or nothing type of an approach, and maybe you'll be able to deal with orders that need to be filled more quickly with something that is more expensive, but also locally sourced, less question on getting it, the product there to you. And so I, I really, I think it does kind of depend, but ultimately these are the types of solutions that entrepreneurs are having to grapple with now, changing their whole strategy of how and where and when they're sourcing product. And in some cases, you know, it, you just kind of have to take it however you can get it. And it, it really is a shame because as we look to try to create an environment where entrepreneurs can be successful, having a lot of different options available and directions that you can go is one of the 
and, and the ability to quickly pivot is one of the things that makes small businesses more competitive, being able to move quickly and shift than some of their bigger competitors. But at the same time, when the, the circumstances of the world takes away those options, and uh, then you're really stuck. So if you've got the sort of thing where there's uh, prices can price change for a more expensive sourcing option can be absorbed through the pricing arrangement with a customer could be a very good option. Uh, in other cases, though, it might not be there's the type of flexibility to change the prices, in which case this margin gets squeezed and you find yourself at a place of losing profitability. And of course, when small businesses aren't profitable, they're not sustainable. Yeah, that's for sure. Now, uh, believe it or not, counterintuitively, I have read, and you touched on it just now, Brian, that some believe that this could actually be a period in which small businesses, now, albeit these are pressures no one would welcome, but nevertheless, that small businesses have a better chance in some cases to work around these issues than do big companies. For example, you know, in the article I read, Wayfair, for example, the big furn- online furniture e-commerce platform, you know, they're having real trouble getting supply. A lot of their stuff is on those ships out there in the ports, whereas small businesses can turn to, you know, uh, and very quick, more quickly and nimbly make a change from one supplier to another, make a change even in product lines in some cases. And so, you know, it's been suggested that maybe small business has a little bit of an advantage right now. It's going to depend on the on the industry and the entrepreneur and, and a lot of different factors. But yeah, I mean, that's what's amazing about small businesses and entrepreneurs is they're can-do type of people. And they just got to do what they got to do to make it go. And it's that's why I love working for small businesses so much is because you see people come up with solutions and figure out a way to get by and fix the issue. But still, tremendous challenge. In some cases, they're just, you know, the margin for error is smaller for a small business too. In which case, the wherewithal and the capital position and the access to all the resources you need to make a big pivot might be out of reach. So there are some, I think, that are going to find new opportunity and ways to meet needs that some of their bigger competitors are not able to. But there, unfortunately, are are others that are going to find themselves where they have no good options. It's just what they do is simply not available at the time, in which case um, all they can do is wait. Yeah. And I love you. You know, I just want to underscore your comment about the ability for entrepreneurs to be creative, to be resourceful and resilient in the face of challenges like this. We remember during the pandemic, uh, chemical companies moved from producing the chemicals for cleaning and so on uh, to producing hand sanitizer. Even breweries, for example, shifted from producing whatever it was they were producing to producing hand sanitizer. And we saw example after example of this textile companies moving to produce a mask. And so these are hallmarks of what great entrepreneurs do and can do in the face of great challenge. And hopefully they'll be able to find a way to once again now, as you said, we're kind of past the greatest part of the health risk associated with the pandemic. But now this economic crisis continues and in some ways for some worsens. And so it's it's a tough time and resiliency never mattered more than it does now. All right, we're going to run to a break, and when we come back, we'll have Brian Kelly for one last segment. We'll focus on the vaccine mandates and how the threat of those mandates is affecting small business and could affect small business into the future as well. Stick with us right here on Startup Nation Radio. Back in a minute. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We've got a remaining segment with Brian Kelly president of the Small Business Association of Michigan. If you happen to be listening, by the way, beyond the borders of Michigan, of course, the issues we're covering on today's show affect all of us nationally. 
much in the same way, regardless of which state you're from. There may be some unique local challenges, but nevertheless, the global issues we're talking about right now face all small businesses in our great country today. Brian, we've covered uh, supply chain disruption issues. We've covered inflation. I know we wanted to touch on the vaccine mandates breathing down our necks as well these days. Frame that out for us, if you would. There is a new proposed rule. It's called Emergency Temporary Standard by OSHA. So this is the federal department that governs workplace safety. And they're putting in place a, uh, a rule that says that any business with more than 100 employees must require a uh, either a weekly test or verified vaccination of their employees uh, by the 4th of January. But by the 6th of December, they require that a vaccine policy be put into place by each business and that any unvaccinated employee be masked So uh, by, by December 6th. So it's just right around the corner. This is something that does threaten to exacerbate the workplace shortage that we see happening right now. And there's one other thing that very few people have noticed is in this emergency temporary standard. And that is that they have asked for a, in their comment section or the comment period, they've asked for businesses to weigh in on, or all the public to weigh in on the expansion of the vaccine mandate to businesses with fewer than 100 employees. And this is an important aspect of this emergency temporary standard. By asking for that comment, once that comment period is over, they will be free to expand this to small businesses, smaller businesses with fewer than 100 employees. So it's really important for as many people as possible to weigh in on this emergency temporary standard by OSHA and say that we don't want this and we certainly don't want it expanded to smaller businesses as well. When you look at the state data that clearly shows that private sector workplaces are not the place where you see COVID-19 spread and outbreaks happening. Well, and of course, we're all concerned about, you know, the well-being and safety here. That's not the issue. The issue is for small businesses, you know, rather than impose mandates on them, impose rules and regulations and laws on them, let the small businesses manage their business and, and take care of their people on their own, set their own policies, right? You would be in favor of that, of course. Absolutely. In fact, you know, we're, we have a long-standing history of advocacy for and on behalf of small businesses being in control of the terms of the employment that they set. So having the, the government say what pay or benefit has to be offered to say who you can hire, who you can't hire, in this case with a vaccine mandate, literally requiring that you fire people that don't comply mm-hmm with it that are otherwise performing well on the job. I mean, just the aspect of having the federal government tell a local employer, hey, you can't hire that person, you can employ that person because they're reluctant for medical treatment. And I say all this being, you will not find a more pro-vaccine person than me, but I'm anti-mandate. Sure. That's the key. That's the distinction I wanted you to bring out, and I'm glad you did. Yeah, I mean, this is something that that I and also our association has been front line on and carrying the message that, hey, more people getting vaccinated, it's good for business. It, it limits the chances of, a, you know, of emergency orders being used in the future to close down businesses. There's a lot of good reasons for people to, over and above the, the, the more obvious health benefits for getting vaccinated. But that doesn't mean that the government should be able to set as a condition of employment accepting a, a medical treatment. It's something that is, it is not 
been done before in terms of our uh, our federal government. I know people point to you know federal employees and what's been done in the military in the past and all that kind of stuff. Sure, they can they can set rules for the military. They can set rules for federal contractors. They can set rules legally for for federal employees. But what they can't legally do is use OSHA to implement a medical treatment mandate. They've never done that before. And the reason they've never done that before is because it's not legal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I have a strong feeling that this is going to be uh, the stay that has been issued in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals will eventually make it to the Supreme Court where it's going to be overturned. All right, Brian, we've got a caller from Lansing. Gary, you're calling in. You've got a question or comment for, uh, uh, for Brian Kelly today? Yeah, Mr. Kelly, I own a, a company uh, right now that has just under 100 employees, around 85 or so, and I'm wanting to hire more and need to hire more, but I'm waiting because of this you know, mandate that you mentioned. And what should I do? Should I wait to hire and struggle along or hire who I need and then hope I don't lose more people due to the mandate? I hope that this point that you're making is is one that public policymakers are hearing loud and clear, which is that this example is exactly the type of practical mm-hmm. situation that many businesses are in. And you see, like second stage growing companies, the ones that aren't really big yet, but they have a desire to grow, an ability to grow, and are doing a great job, that that's where the majority of our job growth comes from. But what the government has done now is they put an incentive in place for people to hold back on that, to tap the brakes on their growth, to not look to expand. Because what would happen, let's say you know, you're 85 employees and you need to hire 20 more. Well, as soon as you hit, you hit that mark of 100, 100 employees, this mandate is like uh, Hotel California. You can check in, but you can never leave. Once you hit 100 employees, even if you drop down below 100 employees, you still have to comply with it. And that's a, um, and, and so many businesses are managing to that number of 100 thing. I just can't afford to go over 100 because as soon as you do, you lose other employees that you won't be able to replace, or at least not, uh, not likely to be able to replace in the short term. So this is a big, big problem. And I think an und- it might be unintended, but it is very, very predictable, not unanticipated. Uh, outcome, which is that people will have to tap, tap the brakes on, on growth until this settles down through the courts. And I'm hoping that the Supreme Court will uh, will nix this thing before year end. By the way, Gary, thank you so much for calling in. Gr- great uh, question slash comment. Uh, appreciate it very, very much. And right spot on. It really demonstrates, as you said, Brian, I mean, there it is right there. Uh, there's the, where the rubber meets the road. And that's a real world issue uh, emerging from Gary's comment. Now, Brian, I know you've got your sleeves rolled up. You're ready to go to work in 2022. And boy, what a year ahead it's going to be in the last minute or so that we've got left on today's show. How are you feeling in general about what 2022, you know, we certainly know there's going to be these challenges, but do you remain optimistic that we'll get through 2022 in in good shape? You know, what makes me very optimistic is number one, our country has been against the our head, our backs against the wall before and our our people rise to the challenge and I'm confident that they will. Also, during this time of pandemic, more people that in, have turned to entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. business startups are way, way up than we've seen in a very long time. And that gives me confidence in the future. As long as entrepreneurs are out there still taking a chance and making a go of it, I think there's good reason to be optimistic. It's when entrepreneurs decide to stop going out there and taking risks that I think um, that we have some big, big concerns to worry about. So there's reason for optimism. We just really, we just need our government to get out of the way. Yeah, absolutely. And for those consumers out there listening, 
Shop local, shop small this Christmas season. Support your local merchants on Main Street in your community. Your dollars will stay in your communities and go to work to support employment and beautification and other things right there in your own community. So critical. Instead of spending it, you know, other places uh, where they don't need your dollars as much as our local merchants and businesses and restaurants do. Right, Brian? We want to make sure there's a huge focus on that this, this holiday season. That's right. I mean, what a huge impact that even a small percentage moving away from the um, the distance purchases to local will make a, it could really make the difference between a survival and not of, of somebody who's really struggled to get their business back off the ground following this pandemic. Yep, yeah, indeed. Brian Kelly, we can't thank you enough for putting perspective on all of this. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll check in with you regularly during 2022. We look forward to that. And Uh, If I don't catch you uh, before the holidays, have really beautiful, wonderful holidays. Brian, happy new year. And uh, we look forward to a great 2022 together. I know you're going to do a great job in the post of CEO at the Small Business Association in Michigan, beginning with the first of the year. Appreciate it, Brian. Thanks so much. Great to be with you again. Okay, we'll talk soon. Great show on Startup Nation Radio. Back next week with another great Startup Nation radio show. Thanks for tuning in today. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.